three, two, one. Thanks for joining us. My name is Jason Belcher. I'm a small business owner, a military veteran, and today what we'll be talking about is technology and the pandemic and how the two have uh, interacted with each other and how it's changed everyone's lives. And joining me is going to be Justin Hall from Awesome Inc. in Lexington, Kentucky. And I'll let him introduce himself and tell, tell us a little bit about yourself and what you do. Sure. Um, well, my name is Justin Hall and I'm from uh, Elkhorn City, uh, actually, in eastern Kentucky, Pike County. And um, around 2000, I, I moved this way to Lexington and started um, a design development business. And ever since then, I've been working in technology, developing websites, apps, different things. Um, and most recently, I guess, uh, we um, at Awesome Inc., we had uh, our seventh, started our seventh cohort uh of adults for the web developer boot camp and so i teach adults how to uh, code in their probably second or third uh, career uh, so yeah it's really interesting it's great to see people grow and i get to do that every day so that's it's a lot of fun yeah you know you and i pretty much come from the same place i i grew up there in pike county too and i think you, previously there did did some similar coding training for folks who previously worked in the mining industry is that that also correct Yes, that's true. Um, got a lot of news uh, as uh, teaching a coal miner how to code. Uh, I still try to think, okay, why why did that become a thing? Uh, but the more and more I look at it, I guess it did. Um, but mostly it was just people wanting to do something different than what they had done before. So uh, I was really happy to be a participant in that. And that's a great segue, you know, doing things differently than we've done before. Um, boy, that if that doesn't define life after the pandemic, <laughs> I don't know what does. Yeah. Uh, it, it's hard to think of many things that haven't changed, at least in some way. Um, you know, you go to the grocery store now, you have a self-checkout kiosk, uh, you go to the drive-thru, you can get an automated uh, intelligence algorithm taking your order. Uh, we have meetings through Zoom, kids go to school online. Uh, so everything in some way has been impacted by... Uh, the past couple of years and technology's played a, a big role in that and so here's i want to throw out just an interesting fact for you that i, I was doing uh, doing some research looking this up and according to pew research uh, in 2021 58 percent of americans said they thought the internet was essential to their lives 90 percent said they thought it was important but 58 percent said they thought it was essential so over half the country thinks the internet is essential for their life. And if you're using the internet, that means you're, you're in a, on a computer or a mobile device. You're using some type of technology. So I think that just shows you the degree to which technology has sort of crept into almost every you know, nook and cranny of our daily lives. Um, and you're in a position to, to kind of watch the same thing happen to someone who works in that sector. And I just wondered, um, A, do you think um, the changes that we've seen will last? And then I guess B, which ones do you think have been, you know, positive and beneficial and which ones do you think maybe have been harmful? Yeah, um, that's a good question. I can't believe 58 percent. I was I was thinking maybe that number might be up a little bit higher, but then actually that's probably about right. I think um, 
I think it's really interesting. I haven't been maybe more than four or five days away from the internet since 2000. I mean, once I started this job in development and technology, it is, it's essential. Um, you know, it was really funny one time we were going back home, uh, to visit, uh, um, to visit my mom and my kids were like, does, does, uh, grandma have Wi-Fi? <laughs> So, hopefully so it's like yeah yeah it's like our, the generation you know that that's going to come after us and that generation that goes after that they're going to have more and more of a feeling like the internet is just like an essential it's like um a, a utility yeah i've actually heard some folks uh, suggest that we act, that the government treat it like a utility and regulate it as such and i, I don't know if that's even possible uh, just simply because of the nature of the internet itself. Oh yeah, yeah. I think there's a, there's a lot of difficult uh, decisions that's going to need to be made if that ever becomes a utility. But I do think how much it's available and how much it makes an impact to those who have it uh, is a really big deal. Um, you, and you know, going back to your question about like you know some things that will stay and some things that may go away. Um, Two things that made an impact on me during the pandemic was when, uh, you know, I went into the doctor's office for the first time. And I have an app, which is really cool, that kind of manages all my, you know, health information with the doctor. And um, they said, go on the app, and when you get in the parking lot, just turn it on. And so I did, and it kind of notified me, okay, you can walk in now if you have your mask and, you know, all these things. And I was like, whoa. And, and so, you know, I walked in to this building prepped for what I needed. Uh, and that just seemed a little bit strange, but also kind of like, well, you know, I'm glad they did that. You know, I hate to go into some of these, you know, doctor's appointments or something and not have something that they need. Uh, and then have to come back. So, so to me, there's an efficiency there. Uh, whether you're a doctor's office, if you're cutting somebody's hair, or whatever, it's that scheduling of appointment and making sure here's all the things you need before you come, uh, and what to expect when you're here. And then when you leave, they equip you with all the information and everything you need as you walk out the door. So. Um, I think that that's a huge plus uh, and a benefit. The learning remotely, you know, there's some things there that I guess are plus and minus, but um, I really like that now telehealth and some of these other things um, that require the Internet that equip you and support you to make things easier. Um, I like those things. And I, know I think that will stick. And I know as a parent, uh, being involved with online learning, because I have two kids that are in high school age, so fortunately you know, they're old enough that they already understand how to operate computers, and they're, they're pretty computer literate. But the, this, the programs itself can be frustrating for the kids and for the parents, and I can only imagine <laughs> for the teachers. Oh. 
Uh, oh, because, yeah. because sometimes, you know, you'll, you'll see an assignment that's posted and then all of a sudden it's gone. Or there'll be, you'll, you'll have an internet service problem and you miss a class. Or, you know, every day it seemed like when we were in that thick of it last year, uh, there was some yeah. kind of problem that came up. So it, it can help, like you said, in, in yeah. making things more smooth with doctor's appointments, but it can also, it just causes us to pull our hair out sometimes yeah. when, when we depend on it and it doesn't work exactly like it's supposed to. And yeah. I, I'm hoping that folks like you uh, in, in the years that come will, will, will smooth out all those problems and maybe they won't be uh, quite as uh, prevalent the next couple of times that we go through something like this if we, if we have to go through it again. Yeah. Well, I know how it affected the boot camp. Um, so we started, and it was in Jan late January when we started a boot camp in 2020. And we get to about March, you know, um, and that's when everything sort of just stopped. And so our approach and our thinking was, okay, this might last a week, maybe two weeks, you know, we'll just see. You know, nobody really knew. And, um, and so we just said, hey, we'll go online on Zoom, and we'll just keep it open all day. And if you have questions or need help, you know, we can just jump in and kind of see where you are with the curriculum. Uh, but they lost that face-to-face -face time with, uh, with their instructor. And so one thing I've seen is, one, yes, I like the online. I like the scheduling. I like all the things that kind of have happened that has forced their hand to be more efficient. But then losing the face-to-face -face and the, uh, you know, that kind of uh, closeness, um, that was a huge hit. Uh, so a lot of our students during that time, um, some did really well, and some, uh, you know, it took a longer time for them to get to that aha moment and make a lot of inroads into what they were learning. Um, but. But yeah, so we, we established uh, when we came back from the from that one boot camp to the fall boot camp, still in 2020, and we had we were even though we were in the same room, we all had masks on, and we were all more than six feet away, and we were still on Zoom. So, Interesting. so picture, yes, because because I, I can't just walk up to your computer and start typing something or whatever if you need help or show you even like a, a shortcut key command, you know, everything had to be the, the water cooler moments, the uh, moments where somebody said, Hey, have you thought about this? They all had to be recreated. And, and what was interesting is, yeah, we zoomed when you were six feet away and we, we recorded the zoom too, which was also a good thing for longevity. Um, but yeah, we actually were in a room. There were about 10 or 12 of us in one room in the boot camp, and six feet away, somebody was connected to a Zoom, and we were all either sharing our screen or jumping into a breakout room, uh, or I was taking control of their computer remotely, and they were six feet away. Wow. And so, and so you know, you with the, the folks that control. Um, the big tech players, uh, it's dominated by a handful of large companies. And you've, you've traveled in circles where you've been in contact with, with those organizations and folks that are from those organizations. And a lot of people are, are concerned because, as we talked about earlier, technology has become more integral to our lives. But that's also given more power to those big tech companies. And they're concerned about how tech companies use that power. 
and, and is there anything we can do to regulate them? You know, a lot of people feel that like the, uh, the oil trust and the, and the steel trust of the 19th century, we should regulate tech companies uh, similarly. I, I'm just curious to know what, what your thoughts would be on that. Yeah, I don't, I don't know about the regulation. I think that's going to have to play out. Um, they have so much power. They have so much influence. Um, I think it's also fitting that they also do things for good. Uh, and, and, you know, there are, I don't know if that's mentioned enough, but I do think that the, um, uh, the, the horror stories, right, uh, 1984 and all these other things where, you know, big tech is taking over. Um, and I, I do feel like, yes, it, it has. There's a lot of people that are dependent on it, especially 58% of the people who say Internet is, you know, uh, essential but for the reasons that I connect and the reasons the majority of just regular people connect are different. You know, they connect to, to talk about sports or to go into things that they like. Uh, maybe they pay their bill, a little, you know, a few of those kind of things uh, with the Internet. But and, and they like that about big tech. Hey, I want to be able to, you know, automatically pay my bill with the push of a button on my watch, uh, you know, and um and so I think there's going to be a trade-off sometime where, you know, we look at the benefits, we look at what we get from, say, like Facebook or these algorithms that can track and provide suggestions for products or services. Um, you know, it's really interesting. Um, I was able to talk with um, the uh, one of the heads at Google uh, of ads. They were in their ads department. And it, they made an astonishing uh, statement. Um, so they said, over the last five years, Google has grown 20% each year. And I'm like, wow, a lot of people are just doing so many searches, right? And I said, is that because of the number of searches? He said, no, those have plateaued. He said, those, those aren't at a number now where anything matters unless you go down a a tremendous amount so and I said well then how did they grow by 20% well they have technology now that will make better suggestions and better ad placements and so for me <laughs> the developer when I type in the word deconstruction or demo let's say demo uh, to a blue-collar worker or somebody that works in constructions that means demolition but to me, that means demonstration. And so when I type in something like that, the personalization and all those things are baked in to where uh, it's going to pull out those things that are most relevant. And so year over year, what they were doing was increasing the relevancy of some of these ads based on the things you type in and, and the things that they're tracking. So that's going to be a hard line that people are going to have to cross to say i want to get rid of that you know that's that's a beneficial thing you know there's so many conveniences that uh tech gives us but then also you know we've got to hand over some things we lose a little bit of you know apple's big thing now is all about privacy um and so it's really interesting how these tech companies are kind of positioning themselves and you know, it just keeps growing. It's not stopping. 
Yeah, you know, I hate to use a, a pop culture reference, but it, it sort of reminds me of the uh, the monsters and aliens with the acid blood. You know, you don't dare kill them. Uh, but, <laughs> and so that's sort of way the tech companies have built in their, their to their infrastructure the, the very vital services that we need. You know, you don't dare get rid of it because everything that you need daily is just will just collapse and stop yeah. working. I, I had somebody explain it to me in a different way. They said it's like a coin. You choose both heads and tails in a coin. You may want the heads part. You may not want the tails part, whatever. You have to make that choice. And when you do, you choose both the good and the bad. And so it's really interesting uh, looking at tech and going, uh, SpaceX is going to take us to places. Um, autom 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 you know, automation is coming. Um, big data is already here. Um, even if you watch a movie like AlphaGo that's on Netflix, uh, you can just see that you know somebody's trained a computer to play a game better than a human. Uh, and as long as we're using that for the good, and that's a, you know, how, what definition is that, right? Uh, yeah, it's always going to be a little bit on everybody's mind about, you know, how big tech is and what they can do. Well, I'm glad you actually mentioned SpaceX because I want to just briefly touch on that. You know, in the midst of a pandemic when, when folks have been losing jobs and, and lives have been upended at the same time, you know, there's been a, a science and technology have been gangbusters. I mean, we have a oh, vaccine yeah. that's developed in barely a year. We've got rovers on Mars that are searching for life that are controlled from from the ground here. We've got civilians going into space just as passengers. I mean, all you got to do is sit in the rocket and it does everything for you. Um, and, and all that's happened in, in the same time period. So I, that's just it's an amazing confluence. Uh, of things yeah. that have happened. So even though there's the folks have, you know, fear of technology, look at what we've just in the last year accomplished in, in those same fields. It's been amazing. Yeah, it's been amazing. It's, it's certainly been interesting to see it uh, as a, um, as a spectator. And then also to be able to see a little bit of it with what I deal with on a daily basis in, in tech and just to see the advancements. Um, and you know, there's we're we're raising the bar actually. Uh, even our our boot camp for people to um, uh, to come in and be accepted in the boot camp, right? We have sort of a bar that you have to be uh, that you have to be above. And what's interesting is now more people know the basics. Is that so from? Are they self-taught or? Sorry, go ahead. No, they've been exposed to things like. You know, something in high school, something in a college class, or something. They've been exposed to a lot of the basics. Um, and so now it's like we're raising the bar, uh, which also, which is a good thing, but to your point earlier, to those uh, families and those kids that don't have Internet access available every time, every day and don't have the technology at hand, we're creating a gap, a wider gap, too. Yeah, sometimes I wonder, you know, the, the, the primary spoken language in the United States is English, although, of course, we have a number of languages spoken, but, but mainly it's, it's English. That's our official language. But I wonder if, if things keep trending in this direction, will someday the language be C plus or Python, or will, will that be the language uh, that everybody has to know uh, in order to function? Or will, will the folks like yourself who create everything that, that works, that makes the Internet work, will they just build that into the system and the users won't have to, won't have to be literate in that. They'll, they'll just use it. 
Because it sounds yeah. like that's where we're going. Oh, yeah. I think there's – it's like um, developers solve a problem, and then they kind of move on to the next problem. And But the problem doesn't go away, and it's not fully solved. It's sort of like you need other kind, different kinds of developers to come in and do integration to make it so that it's accessible to the everyday person. Um, and then so you have um, – you have people coming in uh, to uh, solve these big problems that are engineers that are the really smart uh, all-star super superheroes, I guess, in the development world. And then once they solve something, they move on uh, and try to find the next problem. So it's 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 kind of interesting to see how that folds and how that uh, expands and how some of the technology trickles down then to like. You know, hey, here's a filter that puts uh, dog ears or whatever on my face when I'm in Snapchat. I mean, it's just so interesting. Yeah, so I guess for folks that are that are listening that may not be, you know, they may not work in a tech field or, or, or be specifically trained to deal with the way technology works, I guess they would want to know, should I be worried? Should we be worried right. about, about where we're going in terms of how much power tech has and how reliant we are on it? Do you, do you think we should or you think it's going to be everything will be fine? You know, I, don't, I think worried is probably a word that would get somebody uh, somebody's attention. Um, but I definitely think there needs to be, you need to be a participant. Uh, regardless of your uh, scope of knowledge or your digital literacy, you, you need to be a, a, a participant because this affects you no matter what. Uh, if, you're, if you're a mom and you've got kids, how do you police 15 different, you know, ways to communicate on the app? Um, or how do you, um, you know, if you're, a, if you're a dad and you're working in the, uh, as a blue collar worker somewhere, uh, how do you connect with some of the things your kids are doing? So you almost have to be a willing participant to find out what it is. Um, and yeah, there's some worry there. I do worry about a little bit of it. Um, and and then, but I don't think it's going to be resolved ever. I think it's just always going to be this churn that happens. New things get developed. People have a heightened fear. Oh, it's not that bad. And then maybe some things get developed that are like really cool, and I want to I want to do, I want to use. And but there's ramifications. You know, it's just um, I think there's going to be an ebb and flow to it. And you ask a key question, you know, what what is good? What does that mean? You know, you know, philosophers have struggled with that for centuries, and now tech companies find themselves getting involved in situations where it's hard for them to tell what's good. You know, they have an idea that they think that it is. The public has a different idea, or there's different parts of the public. And you know, some of the recent controversies that we've seen in in the uh, communications platforms with folks being deplatformed, which essentially today, if if you're deplatformed, you, you're essentially silenced. And so yeah. there, there are folks who call that de facto censorship, which in a way it is. Uh, you know, the First Amendment only restrains the government from censoring. It doesn't stop private companies. Um, but even though they can legally do that, there's a there's a debate about you know whether or not they should, and if that's if that's good for the society, if it's good for the individuals. Yeah. Um, I, I guess I think of some of the, the, the controversies that have recently come up about book banning, and I wonder, you know, okay, you can pull that off a shelf in a library, but the, every kid there is going to be able to get access to it on the Internet. So, I mean, oh, yeah. did, so did, you, did it just render book banning moot? I mean, in a way, I yeah. think it has. 
Yeah, there's uh, there's so much technology. You know, since the days of Napster, right? Um, and um, the creator of Napster was Sean. What was his last name? Oh, that's a good uh, question. I have to look it up. <laughs> yeah, uh, but anyways, I remember when you know he was going through that and he got all this fame and uh, and he said he kind of opened Pandora's box. I believe was the quote. And yeah, you know, peer to peer sharing, file sharing, all that. Uh, there's more out there than you probably want to know and probably uh, care to know um, that the technology makes a way for those things. Now, whether or not we should do those things, even as, even as uh, let's say, uh, users, right? Like, I don't use any of that stuff. And I've been asking my kids and talking with them, say, don't use any, you know, don't use that. Um as a way to preserve like the the artist or the creative's value but you can do it now we have a, a moral choice and i think a lot of these tech companies at the high level they're also going to have to have a lot of tough decisions because they need to own some of this stuff some of these things that are happening are a result of the trickle down of something and so you know whether that's policed or you know like with the kids and the 15 million different Snapchats that they get, whether it's police or whether it's about good character, you know, there's something that's going to just constantly tussle and rustle around and there'll be different sides to argue, you know, whatever. But I think it comes down to a decision uh, to be good and to define that. Uh, that's going to, that's going to take longer than the, uh, then the, the, probably the lifespan of the technology will outlive that. <laughs> yeah, it's a difficult job. And, you know, more video, just to pick on one example, you know, you know more video content is uploaded to the Internet on a, on a 24-hour period now than can be viewed in an entire lifetime by one person. Like, I could spend the rest of my life trying to view all the content that was uploaded today. If I spent every minute, I still couldn't do it. And, oh, yeah. And that's just one day. So you start to understand, you know, what tech companies are up against. There's just so much out there. It becomes very difficult to monitor and identify problems, to say nothing about, you know, devising solutions that work. Yes. Uh, a friend of mine, I think, uh, at work here posted uh, that we have streamed in 2021 alone. We streamed something like, um, let's see what the quote is. I'm looking for it here. Um, Americans streamed 15 million years of content in 2021. 15 million years. Million years. Just yeah. in 2021. Yeah. <laughs> and I don't know where you got that, but I was just like, Interesting. oh, that's incredible. So literally, I mean, if, if that's, let's say that's accurate for the sake of argument, there, there's no way human beings can possibly view that much content. So there's, there's going to be things out there that, that are there that maybe we think there shouldn't be, but we'll never even know about it. Um, yeah. So there's almost oh, no, I, go ahead, sorry. No, go ahead. I was going to say there, there's just, there's no way to, to try to police that much content without, without either an AI or some kind of automated process, and I know that frustrates the heck out of people uh, when when sometimes like the algorithm on on Facebook or Meta now will flag something as inappropriate even though it really isn't. So their yeah. their algorithms aren't perfect; they make mistakes. Yeah. But they're it's because of what they're up against uh, that that yeah. happens. I think I think the realization uh, we need to compare our lives and some of the things we're doing to the life of say like a digital five. And so, you know, I had this idea to create a little comic strip about 
the, a story called The Life of File. And it starts with like a dad that records some funny moment with his kid on a VHS tape. And then you see the progression, you know, from VHS to, okay, all the kids are watching it. Now the kids are getting older. They share it with their kids, so it's on disc. And then all those kids get a little older, and they share it with their kids. And now it's on some kind of streaming thing or, you know, and then just another progression of it being projected to the wall. And then, you know, just something that happens that uh, whatever it is, a thousand years later, and that file, that, that same digital footprint of zeros of ones still exists. And, you know, those families and those generations have long been gone. So uh, that's kind of interesting. Yeah, you can see in the future there'll be digital archaeologists that are trying to go back through ancient files and see if they can even make them work and see what's the way that we sift through mounds looking for pottery shards. They may look for data bits in the future to try to find uh, audio video files. That is true. Wow. Yeah, and the last thing I, I wanted to, to talk about just real briefly was um, you mentioned the, the amount of content, but there's also most recently a lot of technology that allows you to alter content so that it yeah. looks authentic and it really isn't. And so that that creates all kinds of confusion and problems. And, and, and you know, when they first started doing this, it was easy to spot. The fakes were easy to spot, but the fakes are not easy to spot now. Um, they're actually quite difficult to spot. And, and, and isn't it, would you say it's true that unless you have specialized training, there are some fakes out there that are that you can't spot. The layperson would never be able to tell the difference just by looking at them. You you would oh, have absolutely. to absolutely. And so that's an, I don't know what we can do about that. I mean, it's the, the kind of the genie's out of the bottle now on that one, and you can't put yeah, it back. There's, yeah, there's several technologies like that that the genie's out of the bottle. That's why I think what's coming up is. Um, a level of hiring for companies, even even the most basic, say, um, I don't know, uh, an account accounting firm, uh, they're going to need some connections to cybersecurity in some ways. Uh, one thing that will never stop will be the hacking, the spam, and all the bad things uh, that come along. And bad, I'm defining bad. Um, and then. Uh, you know, but we're going to need to combat that with smart people that have smart tools uh, that can protect the investments that people are making in, into technology and into their business. Every business has some form of technology. So cybersecurity, I think, is going to be a really big thing, uh, not just with the big firms. I think it's going to need to be just like you have a network administrator or you have an IT guy. Uh, I think uh, cybersecurity is really going to be um, on the forefront, you know, and you know this with uh, because of your service that you've uh, given to our country. Um, that you know, wars are going to be fought. They're going to continue to be fought. They may be fought differently now, and you know, cybersecurity um, is probably going to be uh, one of the top enlisting you know listings um, that's going to be required to to combat and fight these wars. Yeah, there's a, uh, I can't remember where it was. I, I was at a cybersecurity seminar once this many years ago, and I heard the, the, the person giving the presentation said there's there's two kinds of companies, the ones that know they've been hacked and the ones that don't know they've been hacked. Uh, and so, yeah. And that's coming from someone who does cybersecurity for a living. <laughs> so that, oh, yeah. that, that's just sort of them admitting that, that it's impossible to stop every attempt. And, and you know, you mentioned the, the you know, the, the war aspect and the cyber attacks from foreign powers. And that's that's certainly a concern, but it's also become more personal. 
Now, you know, what, suppose someone puts your face on a, on a video showing a, a crime being committed and you get arrested. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. that, that's within the capability of people today just by learning from self-guiding uh, programming yeah. or from tools that are freely available on the Internet. I mean, that could happen. And it, oh, yeah. So that's kind of scary. <laughs> that's kind of scary. And then what, what I'm kind of surprised about, too, in the same vein, um, like these augmented reality uh, kind of places, you know, the, the game where you could go and uh, you go to a special spot in, in real space and then in virtual space, it's some kind of like little uh, gym or dojo or whatever. Pokemon had that, yeah. Bits. Yeah. So uh, I had a really interesting discussion with a lawyer, like, where does that cross the line? Like, uh, can someone put something in the virtual space that can be in the physical space that I can go view with just any phone or with anything? And it's a, and it's sort of like slander, or it's sort of like you know taking another, um, uh, you know, just another pass at looking at that organization differently, whatever it is. Uh, so I think those things that are things like you're talking about, um, indistinguishable um, act, actions, events, or whatever, where it's like, hey, I can see that person plain as day. That's so and so, and they just did this act. Uh, and, and maybe it never happened. Maybe the whole thing was created from, you know, virtual. We, we've got so many things, uh, out there, like you said, the tools that are capable of tricking you. Uh, so yeah, I think, I think it's going to be really tough to see who to trust, uh, in that kind of world coming up. And then, um, you know, just, uh, how, especially trusting big tech and then handing over some of these things for convenience yeah that, that I, I agree it's going to be a challenge that's ongoing i'm hoping that the generation that's coming up now because they grew up with technology from the time they were able to even you know basically just learn to read and write that they will figure out things that we haven't even thought of yet um to digital solve natives well exactly that's a good that's a great expression digital natives i'm hoping that they will be able to solve some of the problems in ways that we probably haven't even imagined yet um so that oh, yeah. so that's kind of some hope there for the for the future yeah, you're exactly right. There's somewhere, there's there's somebody that's, uh, you know, being groomed or living a life that they're going to make an impact. Uh, it's still it's still possible, you know. Not all of the uh, problems have been solved, and not all of the uh, efforts have been uh, completed, you know, to to make a, a mark. Yeah, and just just kind of to wrap up, I would say, you know, it's too early really to tell for a hundred percent certain whether all the changes we're seeing are going to last because we're still in the pandemic. So it's impossible to really predict whether they'll stick around. I agree with you. I think quite a few of them probably will outlast the, the pandemic. And, you know, the data seems to support that right now. A lot of folks prefer working from home if you can, for example. And, yeah. and by the way, that's not because they want to do less work. It's actually because they want to do more work. Uh, yeah. because they want to do away with the, the, uh, the superfluous stuff that happens in an office that takes up time that isn't really related to what they're doing. Um, yeah. it's, it's fascinating to see the, the, the data surveys on this. Work, workers want to work from home. Managers and CEOs want to go back to the office. And so it just makes you wonder, you know, what, who's getting what from that relationship when you're in a traditional yeah. office setting? Yeah, I, that's really interesting. We, we had a podcast or we had a discussion about that before. Uh, and yeah, it can go different ways. Um, how do you see the value? Just like how do you define good uh, with that situation? So, 
Yeah, there there are so many things that are being challenged, and uh, that that's receiving pressure, right? When something receives pressure, it can crack or break if it's fragile. And so it's really interesting to see how people have thought outside the box, how some of these technologies now are just, you know, bubbling up and becoming more value uh, valuable, and um, what new things that it presents us with. Now, just one quick data point to suggest that some of the new technology will be around for a, long, a lot longer than we might think. Uh, you know, the virtual reality world, when you buy headsets and you, you plug into virtual reality, um, Accenture last year bought 60,000 Oculus Quest headsets for their workforce. Um, so that to me, that suggests a very long-term and significant investment in using those headsets for purposes other than entertainment or gaming. And so yeah. in some career fields, you might see a future where, you know, VR headsets are as common as television or computer screens. You got to have one just to, just to do business. Um, yeah. I don't know that that's going to happen, but, but I think there's some trends that are pointing in that direction. Yeah. I, I definitely love to talk. We could probably go on for hours. Oh, sure. I don't want to hold you up too things. much longer. No, no. But I really enjoy that because it's an exercise, thought, uh, practice and, um, you know, we're living through it right now. Had we said five years ago, hey, what if there's a thing? How is that going to affect us? Nobody would have said some of the things that are taken, uh, that are happening. Somebody also may have pointed it out perfectly. That um, I think we need to have some more of these exercises and good discussions like this, like on your podcast. Uh, I think it's really uh, necessary. Yeah, the perfect description of what you just said was the Nas what Nassim Taleb called the Black Swan event. I don't know if you've ever read the book, The Black Swan by Nassim Taleb. So it's the, 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 un the impact of the highly improbable, but when it does happen, it has a huge impact, and, and we never see it coming. Yeah, I actually read his book, uh, Anti-Fragile. Okay, okay. Yeah. Uh, I have not read that one. I've just read The Black Swan, so I don't know. I'll have to check that out. Sure, it's based on exactly what you just talked about. You okay. Know? There's no really such thing as opposite of fragile. It's it's fragile is going to break. It's just how do we respond? How do you prepare? All those kind of things for this inevitable event. I guess all I would say in closing is just to, you know, kind of to wrap it up. I for folks who who may have high hopes for technology or, or strong fears, I would just say I would reserve judgment right now uh, until the pandemic's actually over and, and we have a chance to get a better sense of what what the lay of the land looks like. Because it's really hard to, to tell right now, but but withholding judgment, I think, is itself kind of a hopeful act. Uh, I don't think we should just throw our hands up in the air and say we, we need to start figuring out ways to, to restrain or get rid of all of this new technology. I think a lot of it can have good and beneficial applications, some of which we may have may not have even discovered yet. Yeah, yeah. It's like voting. You know, it's it should be uh, – you need to be a willing participant to grow your scope of knowledge, to be more digitally literate so that you can – have a say-so in where we go. Absolutely. Well, listen, I, I appreciate your time. It's been a really good discussion. Uh, maybe we can do, some, as you suggested, it's, it's good to do these kind of thought exercises. Maybe we can do uh, another one on the same topic or drill down into just one part of it. Because uh, like you said, you could, you could, there's so much more to cover that we can't possibly do it all in one one podcast. There's just no way. Um, maybe we can come back. And, yeah, that'd be great. Okay. Be, I'm for it. All right. Well, well, look, I appreciate your time. I thank you for talking talking with me, and I uh, hope you have a great evening. I know it's, it's actually late night for us as we're having this conversation, but yeah. folks could be listening at any you know, morning, afternoon, or any time, so uh, hopefully they'll get something out of that. Or a thousand years in the future. Or that Wouldn't that be crazy, right, that people would, would, <laughs> would come across that and, and wonder what we were talking about? Yeah.
All right. Well, well thanks a lot, my friend, and, and have a good evening. Yes, sir. You too. All right. I'll talk to you later. All right. Bye. All right. Bye. Okay, that was Justin Hall from Awesome Inc. in Lexington, Kentucky. We've been talking about the pandemic and technology, and I think in the future we may do a couple more of these type of conversations and maybe go a little more in-depth to some of the more specific areas and specific lanes that technology has entered into and how that's changed our lives. But for now, that's all the time we have. We thank you for listening and hope you have a great day.